I'm going to be your own personal dating service. Yeah, well, we should get back. By the end of the summer, you're going to be up to your neck in pussy. Jesus. What about her? Would you go out with her? What kind of a question is that? I mean, it's, it's totally irrelevant because a girl like that would never be caught dead with me. Yeah, but put that aside for now. Would you go out with her? I really didn't get a good look at her. Yes, you did. Whoa. What about her? Are you into girls with big tits? Jesus. I mean, as long as she's not a complete imbecile and she's even remotely attractive. Hey, look, there's Norman. Hi, Norman. We need to find a place where you can go to meet women who share your interests. Well, maybe I don't want to meet someone who shares my interests. I hate my interests. Yeah, yeah, just list your five main interests in order of importance. Uh, I'd have to put traditional jazz, blues, uh, and then ragtime at the top of the list. Right, then... so let's just say music. That way we only use up one. All right. Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host Mike. And we start a new trilogy this month with the wonderful Terry. Oh gosh, how do you pronounce his last name? I'm gonna say Zweigoff. That just that just sounds more commanding, but it probably is not. No, no, I think it is. I think it is. Uh, Terry Zweigoff's Ghost World. This is a film that I. I haven't visited in a long time. I haven't read the comic book in a long time. And actually, after watching it, I immediately uh, went to my bookshelf and grabbed the the. I got the special edition where it, it it's half the half of the book is the original book, and the other half is a screenplay because uh, the original artist and writer Daniel Klaus actually wrote it with the director. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to finish it before we started recording, but I got through like halfway. And and we'll talk about that as well. Laying down on the job. Uh, I say that, of course, <laughs> where it didn't, didn't even enter my mind <laughs> to, to grab the comic that I own. One of my favorites, like from my youth, I would say this book in particular is what got me into non-superhero comics. I think that's probably true for a lot of people of a, of a certain age. Uh, but yeah, I remember reading this in high school thinking like, they make comics like this. And that started me on a whole, like David boring is one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, from oh my Dino gosh. Class, so we're, we're soulmates. I... Well, that's why we do tit together. Web. <laughs> yes. Like I was like, you know, ghost world is great, but it's no David boring. I love David <laughs> boring. It's so weird. <laughs> Probably not as adaptable to a feature film as Ghost World, but that's okay. No. You know what? As I'm reading it, I realize that I don't know how adaptable Ghost World is without diluting some of the personality. Ghost World, the comic book, really reads like uh, several different vignettes. However, the movie really does have 
uh, I, I suppose, like a proper plot, and you're following the lives of these characters. And it's fine. I, and I hate to say it, but I... <laughs> Thank you for uh, downloading. Fans of Ghost World, the film. <laughs> you got the first. It's fine. <laughs> the first I've, I'm, subtle put down of this work. Criterion I'm, collection now, right, Webb? It fine. is. Well, honestly, the Criterion collection, sometimes they just... <laughs> They're fine, too. <laughs> That's what Webb is saying. <laughs> <laughs> they need to pay the bills. That's why you have stuff like Godzilla. Like, there's nothing high, oh, yeah. there's no high art. Uh, same with Bruce Lee. I know people love that Bruce Lee collection, but frankly, most of those movies are quite bad. <laughs> we'll get, maybe Webb we'll... was a fan of Brad Pitt kicking his ass in Once Upon a <laughs> <laughs> <in> Hollywood. <laughs> That's exactly it. You know, the way I look at it is that that is a scene that is written or explained or told by somebody else. It's not really what happened, but kind of one of those exaggerated stories that you hear from a guy who knows a guy. I'm, I'm an ass, and I say that happened. <laughs> In that world, Bruce Lee at least was thought to a draw. I don't know how, if it had gone on, you know, on longer, uh, how badly he would have whipped Brad Pitt. I just took it as what an honor it would be that in a film that does alternate history that you are the boss level to show how badass one of our characters, our fictional characters is like, Oh, if he can uh, fight Bruce Lee or hold, you know, just hold his own against him, then he, he must be able to take down the Manson family to me. I, you know, I'm not going to speak for Bruce Lee's family. Cause I know some of them were not happy with it. I would take it as like, you know, an honorable uh, role that it's like Bruce Lee is just, an easy code for biggest badass. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, That's how I read absolutely. that scene. Meanwhile, over in ghost world, I couldn't help but feel <laughs> a strange bit of ambivalence towards it by the end. I, I, when I say it was fine, <laughs> I really do mean like it was fine. That's uh, not but the then transition. I thought you were going to make, I thought you were going to go to the, uh, asshole white dude with the nunchucks and no oh, shirt that's right. that, <laughs> that harasses <laughs> this convenience store. Um, I guess it's the owner because it doesn't seem like the employees really care uh, about his presence. But poor Brad Renfro just stuck in the middle here. Right? All parties involved. I'm shocked at this web. This is like uh, this is one I watched probably every couple of years and have since it's released. Uh, I I think it's one of the best. Um, I guess in the coming of age genre uh, because I'm trying to think how often we get it with female protagonists where it's not um, played a bit younger. Like I know in the nineties there was like what, like now and then and like, uh, like fly away home. There's, there were some uh, Matilda is actually a great one. I, I love Matilda, but <laughs> where they allow these two young women to be as big of an asshole as a male lead typically is in a coming of age story. <laughs> I love that here. And I love, um, how gradual the disconnect is between two young women who, at least through high school, were totally on the same page in the worldviews. And the way the film portrays that is this, uh, this sort of ever-shifting disagreement that eventually gets into real-world problems as far as, like, we have to have jobs to pay rent for this sort of fantasy apartment, our first, you know, leaving the nest type thing. Uh, I, I love Scarlett Johansson here. This is where 
I, I'll be negative like you, Webb. <laughs> the one negative thing I'll say about Ghost World is that uh, I wish that she had taken more roles like this. The Scarlett Johansson we know now is so far afield from what I saw in Ghost World. Like when I saw this, I thought, wow, what a career this young woman's going to have. <laughs> and it's <laughs> the Avengers is not Ghost in the Shell, not the career that I anticipated. But I feel like she sprinkles in stuff like Marriage Story and uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Like th there are those roles there. I, I, I think it's not good enough <laughs> <laughs> okay okay that's fair I'm really glad that you brought up that point. As soon as high school ends, these two characters start to – there's a rift between the two of them. And one of the things as I'm reading the comic – and I love the comic. One of the things that I'm noticing is that the two going back and forth, having these adventures, they're really good friends. In the movie, you never really see them as good friends. You only see whatever occurs to create that rift, and then you see them – growing apart do you think there's i mean obviously if you watch it every couple of years you felt like you didn't need to see them together as friends for them you, it's okay that you were told hey we're really good friends and let's move on well you know it's it's an interesting question because even though this is a breakup uh film of you know the whatever your quote-unquote best friend is in high school i wonder how authentic those type of relationships are for most people as far as high school friendships usually it's well, it's proximity based. Obviously, you're going yeah. to the same place five days a week. It's isn't it more rare that people like gain a best friend through work in adulthood? I don't feel like that happens as often. But we have this uh, sort of pedestal we put. I guess our probably our initial relationships, either first love or you know first friendships, where you gravitate towards someone who has anything resembling similar sensibilities to you. And I, I think that's what it is with these two young women. They're probably their sense of humor. They they like to pick on the same people. And they do. When I say same people, I mean fucking everyone. <laughs> <laughs> everyone is beneath their station. But I guess with my numerous rewatches, it's inter interesting to see how often they disagree, uh, even when they're being ironic on the meaning of their particular jabs. You'll see one of them, like they'll, they'll point someone out and start like not literally laughing, but pointing someone out to then make fun of them. And one of them, I mean, it'll be a, the typical conversation will be like, it's uh, now they've gone like so dorky or so bad that they're back to being cool again or, or good. And the other one will be like, no, no, it's not that at all. They're just a dork. And you see that even from the very beginning. So it's like, this was always going to happen. It just was ramped up by the fact on what their next steps are. And, you know, little Scar Joe, I took her to task in real life for, you know, not being the artistic 
sort of wonderless character uh, doing these weird little projects. And I should have just been like watching more closely to the role in Ghost World where she's like, <laughs> got to get a role at the coffee shop. Got to pay the bills. Got to do the Avengers. This is what, <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> she she is very much uh, that character. And it's it's funny to see in someone so young reach that conclusion. It is very interesting. And where Thor Birch's character, Enid, doesn't really want to go to there just yet. Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange look at commitment that we don't often see from this particular age group. Like it's uh one one of my biggest grievances I guess with these type of movies is usually someone like Varsity Blues, uh not a prime example of cinema, but a prime example where just an Ivy League school is the carrot on the stick is like the quest object where <laughs> the only detail they give us about this character to show like well, they're better than other people. Is that they're going to uh, a fancy spans school? That's it. I kind of like that this one is so grounded. It's like they're not going to school. Uh, we're going to get an apartment together because that's what we talked about. And I think it's like a legitimate beef that the Rebecca character here here has is that like what was the sense in talking about that? What was the sense in us, you know, kind of rebelling uh, against the expectations? Uh, if her friend can't even be the outlier, she can't even commit to doing that. She can't commit to rebelling, uh, cause she kind of wants to stay with her dad. She wants to gripe about it. She wants to change her hair color. She wants to change her clothes, but she doesn't actually want to move forward into adulthood and, uh, not to jump to the ending necessarily too soon, but her lesson is sort of a jump into the unknown, really. And I, I love that that's how they resolve it. They don't resolve it like, you know, she's like, I lost my friend. It's time, Dad. I become a woman now. I'm going to live with Scarlett Johansson, which I would not disagree with. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I would become a man <laughs> if I did that. But I love that it's a step the other way. Like, that she just is like, I, I'm going to choose, you know, nothingness. Nothingness for us as a film goer, but it's just the unknown. She's like, I still don't know what I want, so there's there has to be a third option. It's not just adulthood and childhood. There's something else in between out there. It's it's a mature choice in that regard. I do like that uh, interpretation of it, and I actually think that I don't want to say it's the right interpretation, but it's a fine interpretation. <laughs> is what I want to say. <laughs> no, but that is good, and that is very much in keeping uh, with the character, and that's about as much growth as you kind of see, because even her entire relationship with poor Steve Buscemi, even he is like, I suck. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do the things that I do, like uh, be one of those obsessive collectors. And because he is kind of stagnant in his life, she also gravitates towards him. Oh, he's this is the kind of life I could potentially have and, and still be in my comfort zone. Um, and he is, oh gosh, she's like, that is this... a strange comfort zone in the arms of Steve Buscemi. <laughs> as, a, as someone who just... Uh, I would say almost graduated high school. She's in summer school, but yeah, like just fresh out of high school or almost there. Uh, and actually boy. ends up as uh, a, a not a grad because she fails that summer class. Mm. So she's entering into this unknown with, boy, zero marketable skills. And, and <laughs> I hate to say this. <laughs> You're like, too I'm really... practical for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I just don't have the heart. Um, and that that might be because I've got like a daughter, uh, who, I mean, she's not even two. I'm already looking 
way past, you know, uh, where she is right now. Like, oh, my God, she needs to have marketable skills and she needs to uh, be able to give an interview properly. And so all the things that I had to learn maybe the hard way or not, I'm I'm putting all of that pressure on my kid already. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know? We're trying to, we're teaching my kid English and Hindi. <laughs> and I'm already <laughs> upset when she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, ah. <laughs> How close to home was the representation of Seymour? Uh, I'm I'm saying this to both of us as someone yeah. that some could accuse us of maybe uh, being too taken with uh, pop culture. In this case, movies, not uh, old jazz records. In some regards, being consumed by them. Now, <laughs> unlike him, thank God, both of us have found. These poor women in our lives who have decided <laughs> yeah. to, to shack up with us <laughs> yes. until death do us part or, you know, they just get sick of it. So it's not an exact one-to-one, but it is something that I try to – I try to be mindful of – I try to be mindful anyway of – as I'm surrounded by media <laughs> of <laughs> how close I am to that particular edge that I'd say the Seymour character kind of represents – Oh, certainly. Uh, it is absolutely, it's absolutely an alternate look as to what my life could have been, for better or for worse, if I didn't have these adult responsibilities. And again, I, I kind of always knew that I guess I would end up in some form of a relationship because I'm Indian and my parents are very gung ho about uh, arranged marriages. And that's kind of where uh, I ultimately ended up going. Uh, I'm glad you went that way. Um, I mean, I would support all your choices, what I'm (laughs) saying, in this conversation, uh, instead of like, I kind of always knew that someone that was flunking out of summer school and didn't yet have their high school diploma would end up in my arms, (laughs) (laughs) my my toys, comics, and movies. (laughs) Well, our relationship actually predates my wife, so... <laughs> if I did, if I chose, I could have chosen you completely, but we have to share each other. Um, oh, Maybe that's you know what keeps funny? our marriages alive is that we we take timeouts <laughs> to do this thing to nerd out together. Well, my wife is incredibly patient. I think is the best word with me because you know I always come home with a couple extra books. I probably shouldn't. And she, you know, every now and then she's like, "Hey, uh, that bookshelf's looking kind of, uh, kind of full, <laughs> so much so that you've got a stack of books right beneath the shelf because there's no longer any space on the shelf." <laughs> See, I tried to help because I, I'm the one that I felt like I brought you into the world of digital, where you don't really know. I mean, unless your wife is diligent about counting those squares on whatever media device you have, <laughs> you know, you can just tuck those away in, a, in the digital landscape. Uh, but I've had very similar conversations, uh, in particular when we moved in together, where there was like revelation of like, uh, wait, how many 
boxes do you have? And what what do you have in there? Like clothes you haven't thrown out? <laughs> of course, my reaction is like clothes. <laughs> what a ridiculous <laughs> guess. <laughs> so for completely un unrelated reasons, I'm in a closet right now where clothes should be. It's a, it's a sound thing, okay? It's a sound thing for yeah, listening. Dampens it. I've done it before. I've been made fun of by people on Skype. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> you should try it sometime. Just let me know. Let me know how it works. To my right, where the clothes should be, is a stack of books. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now we've gotten into a problem area again. <laughs> yeah. And, and I can't even tell what the books are, technically, uh, because... I'm looking at them, uh, the side where you would see the uh, the spine. I can't look at the spine, but I can tell you, like, oh, there's Hitchhiker's Guide. There is uh, the collection of the Bronte sisters' work. It's like I can tell you because I, <laughs> I can tell by the way the pages are. So it's like I, they're absolutely I related to poor oh, what's his name Seymour. Seymour. Poor Seymour. I think that's the character's name. Poor Seymour. Yes. Poor Seymour. <laughs> I related to poor Seymour in, in a very personal way. And and boy, Enid is just this wrecking ball. This, this mm. rolling mm-hmm. snowball that wrecks his life in, I would imagine, in, in ways that you just, well, not, he won't be able to fix. Yeah, I, I, I flip-flop on this. Uh, I think every other time I watch it, I have a different feeling on how they resolve his character because they give you the sweet version first where you know it's like basically like you know no party foul needed like you know, you're a young girl I, i'm the adult here i should like i should not have allowed you to take this old collectible for this uh corporation i work for uh of their uh racist uh logos and iconography that they used to use for the past for a summer school art project. That's my bad. Respect the dude for that. Respect the film for, for that moment for not, you know, they've, they've introduced this conflict on a guy that I don't really feels, I feel the need to kick him. Uh, cause he's been continuously kicked. Uh, he did get laid a couple of times, one with a proper adult woman, which he breaks up with for the, the high school, Failure. Yeah. <laughs> Yet again, that's on him. That's on him, not on the, uh, you know, the, the teenage girl. But I don't like that we, the film doubles back to show him in therapy with his mom, basically, uh, treating him like a child. Again, I've, there's a little extra bit of kicking that I've never really been a fan of, but I also don't know if I, you know, if, if it would be totally satisfying that this dude just can be, I guess the nicest guy in the world and just be totally understanding after he's in the hospital, he's lost his job, he's lost his woman and he's just like, it's cool. <laughs> Cause he drew some <laughs> nice pictures of me. That's, that's sweet. Uh, so I could see where the filmmakers have a problem with it, but going back to the source material, he's just a gag, right? Isn't he just one of the, he's just the, 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 uh, blind date, uh, sort of prank. I don't remember him coming back. I think he was, I thought he was just a one-off type thing that they did and that was it. That's what it seems like. Uh, I'm going to continue the um, the book, and then I'll, I'll <laughs> report back when There's we do our wrap-up show. Not doing his research. 
leave it to me to just say, uh, from what I remember, twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, you're actually spot on. Um, that that scene actually absolutely happened, and I, they haven't gone back to it as to where I am in the book right now. Uh, the one thing I want to close with is about you know the whole film is teen angst and and the come of age story. I didn't really see myself. In, I guess, this particular version of Teen Angst, like this wasn't my experience. So maybe that's why I keep the film at maybe an arm's length. Was it yours? No, no, not at all. I actually think <laughs> my high school experience was wishing I knew women like this in my high school. <laughs> <laughs> Where are these like sardonic types that uh, for them like wanting to shit on everything, like I think most teenagers kind of are guilty of like – um, I remember actually getting mad, uh, I think when I was 12, getting ready to turn 13, that my parents were like, yeah, when you become a teenager, everything's just going to start to suck. You're just going to complain about everything. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm going to complain about this right now. Don't, don't write my like history for me before I've even like, maybe I'll have legitimate things to gripe about or, uh, you know, movies I don't like. Little did they know I would, I would listen to <laughs> a damn art form every week, yeah. every Wednesday. But no, I, I feel like I had a pretty normal, you know, quote unquote normal uh, for a small town. Like, you know, I had my close group of friends and a lot of them I'm still friends with. Uh, and we just kind of we just did what we liked. Like, and we didn't we weren't really concerned if anyone else liked it. We found our people. Uh, that was the main difference between me and these characters is I was probably a dick in a different way in that I was so insular with my little friend group that I didn't really know or care what other people were doing. Uh, certainly was not trying to get involved with a, a, a man or a woman decades older than me to try to set them up and follow the path of their love life. I think this was done far nicer and clueless. I mean, share there, at least <laughs> those teachers, you know, something good comes out of that. Uh, and also she gets to fuck her stepbrother. <laughs> Jeez, oh, oh, yeah. So, but I will say that coming from the small town experience, I did, I have, and still see some people that seem to think that the town we came from is like so peculiar in like an extreme way. Like, there's no other town with the, these type of funny stories happen. And I'm like, mm, probably all of them. Like, it's just that you know the cast of characters. You know the the zany guy at the gas station always, you know, refuses to wear a shirt or has nunchucks. And uh, the old man waiting on the bus that never comes. I I think that's, you know, the film is saying is that these youngsters here think all of that is grand. And, like, you'll never see it anywhere else. But they've also not been exposed to anything else. So it's like they're trying to make their very small world bigger. And I do see that a lot with people coming from a very small town, still kind of telling the same jokes, kind of talking about the same things. And it's not that they're necessarily living the past because they've married and have kids, but it's like in some regard, they're trying to elevate their experience to something that would be worthy of a movie. And let me tell you, none of them are fucking Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) So not worthy. Well, you know, that's a very Harvey P. Carr way of looking at it because he also <laughs> was very much all about, hey, there everybody has a story to tell and it's worth hearing. Uh, a very – an oddly like really sweet and positive way of looking at things and I think that's kind of what you're seeing here and what you are absolutely describing. And <laughs> I'm saying they don't we have, have a skill set for it though. <laughs> P. Carr's got the skills. You don't, people I grew up with. <laughs> Stop doing it. 
And just to tie it back, one thing I uh, to the movie, I feel like we barely talked about this movie, but you didn't want fought. to. You showed up and you're like, this is fine. <laughs> Claptrap nonsense. No, no, Criterion no. Criterion Collection has to pay the bills with Ghost World, of all things. <laughs> While it's a film that I probably won't revisit every couple years, and to be honest with you, I'm probably going to read the comic a little bit more because it really got me back into um, revisiting some of these like non-superhero books. You're right. It is, it's absolutely a great gateway uh, into that whole other world. Um, and actually, Daniel Klaus uh, mentioned it in his uh, foreword to the special edition where it's like, I think the movie and the book exist all on their own and not attached to me because of that popularity because it it found that audience and it can exist without being like oh here's another daniel klaus a uh, book or here's another film that daniel that's based on a daniel klaus book so you know i i, I do give it props for that i, I think it's I, I think it has one of my go-to lines as i'm editing and listening to myself more and more is i'm glad it exists <laughs> I am too, because I actually enjoyed it, Webb. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I have to admit that things are really starting to look up for me since my life turned to shit. Remember what I said when we first started. This little breakup might be the very best thing that ever happened to you. But I think I'm ready to uh, get back to my old life. You think that's too soon? Why don't we start with that next week? Okay. Thank you. Don't thank me. You're doing all the work. have a chance to think about what you might want for dinner while you were in here? No, I haven't. Maybe we can discuss it in the car. Did you want to match See you next week. Maybe, dear. Does she have name, Chelsea?